Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Hinch and Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Brothers Hinch. Did I get we that right? No, have, I did not. We don't have Alex here today. I was going to try and do an Alex Rossi impression, but... Well, you uh, did. You didn't say anything. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you were nailed it, it right yeah. up until you spoke. <laughs> you, you didn't contribute to the opening at all. And so, yes, you were right on character. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Off Track. And yes, you'll notice um, the the large absence of our uh, co-host with the most, Alex Rossi. He is busy. The uh, one who insisted we go weekly, by the way, right, made it yeah. a week. Right. He, he was, and he was pretty disgruntled <laughs> last week too. Yeah. So uh, decided to he not show not this week. Gruntled. He was fully disgruntled. No gruntle whatsoever. <laughs> I said, what does gruntle mean? Okay, I mean, this is bringing me back to Clueless, right? That's where this sketch comes from, and I'm having serious oh, Clueless fun. Yeah. Like, with disgruntled? Yeah, I'm pretty while. sure. Yeah, yeah. So, like, are gruntled workers really happy with their lives or something? <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's actually really funny. Oh, I didn't know I that. Didn't, I wasn't even trying to steal from Clueless. I love that movie. Yeah. Or, or you know what? No, maybe maybe, no, maybe I'm confusing that. Maybe with the whelmed one. I know what overwhelmed means. I know what underwhelmed means, but can you ever just be whelmed? I think that I think that is from Clueless. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But that's actually also a great point. Absolutely. Is whelmed just like you're just status quo? You're just I'm I'm not, everything's fine. I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious. Just a little stitious. <laughs> the office, right? Uh, actually, we already got to it. We got to what because <laughs> James, you said you have a lot you want to talk about with F one and stuff, but we want to wait until Alex is back. Alex is on his way yeah. to Baja, so he, he yes, he he did Road Atlanta, which there was also some controversy at the end of that that I want to talk uh, about. But I think it's appropriate to have the view of a guy who was in the race and on the ground and saw it all happen, and his car was actually involved. Um, not that Chris didn't sit glued to NBC and NBC Sports Network to watch the entire thing. It's all I have on my television, which I definitely own. <laughs> Big laptop guy. Big laptop guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, I mean, kind of diving into to words and what have you, very appropriate thing to do with a, a Oxford PhD in the room. Yeah, oh, that's me. Enough. Yeah, no, that's you. I don't. Well, I don't have one of those. Yeah, there, is a, there is yet. There, there is in fact no such thing as an Oxford PhD. It's known as a DPhil. It's a DPhil. Yes, you could have, you could have quizzed me on that. I would have got that right. I know. I do know that because you remind me 
all the time and everybody else all the time. I, I did say when he got accepted into the DPhil program at Oxford that when he graduated, I refused to call him doctor. And I think to this day, I've never referred to you as Dr. Hinchcliffe. Even I, though I think were. only on this podcast, you introduced me as such. Mm. But uh, no, we, we, have, to, we have to take a class in that, how to remind people, how to drop into conversation that you went to Oxford. Off. I went to a university outside London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also it just sounds like a super Oxford thing to do. Yeah, if there was no, any no. college that would do it, it would be right. Oxford. It became they... but yeah. No, the men, the men at Balliol College, where I uh, and I say men selectively because this this was a I don't mean to be gender specific here, but there there was a thing that Balliol College was known for uh, 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 effortless superiority. The gentlemen of of Balliol <laughs> were known for their effortless superiority. Man, that's a no class required. No, yeah, it's just just inherent. It's just in the air. No, no class at all, really. <laughs> <laughs> no class required. Literally, this, this is uh, we're we're getting into the weeds. Sorry uh, about and that. And I know that there's a the Venn diagram of of people who are into very specific Oxford jokes and IndyCar fans. It's a big overlap. <laughs> so I know that we're 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 hitting a lot of the audience here. <laughs> Look, guys, to be to be honest with you, I am very gruntled about this conversation. It's, I think it's great. It's super gruntling. Yeah, I'm gruntled to death. I'm just gruntled pink, you know, gruntled as they does say. Sound like something that could kill you. You could get like gruntled. I was gruntled to death. Or it would be like a bad case of, of food poisoning. Of the gruntles? Yeah. Something oh, that man, penicillin gotta, might cure. You know what? Something about that, that sushi, no, I think I'm feeling a little gruntled. Like that's, right? That would be that? No, it couldn't. It, it's got to be like, it's got to end in E. I'm feeling gruntily. Like I'm feeling queasy or I'm feeling gassy. Yeah, but, okay, but if you, you know, have you to don't, end it with the E sound, then you're a child because you would just say nauseous. If you're if you're an adult or gassy or you should say gaseous bloated so, so it's got to end with us or e i think to be described in that all way. right we've gone too far too far uh, what off track <laughs> even even for us this is a bit much what are you doing in indy other than being roped into standing in for Alex. Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty sure that's the only reason I was invited. He, well, um, no, because we didn't know until yesterday that Alex wasn't going to be here. So you know that I was, you were invited on merit. Oh, there we go. Of being that's my sweet. brother. That's very sweet. And I miss you. you. Yeah. Becky's gone. So James is very lonely right now. Mm, yeah. She's, she's off on shoot. And uh, and he just, you know. I needed to be held. He needed, he needed to be held. He does. Like, James is a cuddler. We all just know. Like, just like our childhood. Um, <laughs> we could, we could, that we, was underwater you were holding we had some childhood <laughs> stories we could get into we could actually that's, get into some of that um, well actually I kind of want to jump into that because I mean, <laughs> it's appropriate that I'm wearing my NASA sweater today I don't know if anybody reasons. I don't know if we've mentioned this yet but uh, but Chris did go to Oxford uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> from which he got a, a defil yeah, yeah. he's a de defile I believe is the term I think it's right <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> you can take that one back to Oxford. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank so, you for that. All right. How does I'm, I'm just curious about the dynamic growing up of of how you two would turn out where you have a professional race car driver and a defil from Oxford and as brothers. So, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm gonna jump in quickly here and just say if you have any interest in racing for the you should probably turn this episode off now and join us next week. 
if you want to hear about a great thing to say no, six you know, minutes into the well, wait, <laughs> I guess, how long do they have to be here before hey, it counts as a listen, listen? Uh, turn it off yeah you know <laughs> you see that little subscribe button just unclick that no just, no don't do that get back to it later don't uh, do that. i'm just saying five stars too many give us one just give us the one star See, now you're just throwing out all these terrible ideas. I didn't say any of that stuff. You all should. I can just stay for the ads, guys. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have ads. It's funny because we don't have any. Um, so how did we end up brothers? No, I got that part. <laughs> well, oh, okay, sorry. Okay, I was going to say, it was, it was a stormy day. It was, it, was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was Valentine's Day, yeah. 1982. I, I, I actually, it's funny. I do have a like a story that I tell about this particular an aspect of this question, the how did we go in such separate directions? Um, and I've told the story many, many times uh, to, it's funny, I don't even know if my family's ever heard. I, to say, I don't know if you've told me this. No, story. the reason why is, so uh, I've told this story to audiences of strangers around in the Indianapolis area. Don't, uh, at don't various, love where this is going. At various uh, talks I've given over the years when I was promoting the, uh, the, the Chasing Checkers books. And so which you can buy online at oh yes, which you can buy at law online at Amazon and uh, and in all fine bookstores uh, around the, chasing checkers around the and chasing checkers acceleration there you written go. by Christopher Hinchcliffe. That's right, um, full of true uh, life detail, uh, proofread and and spell checked by James Hinchcliffe. One of the two. So all spelling mistakes are on him. That's fair. Uh, no, but I used to, because people would ask me this, right? How did how did you know James and I had end up such different directions? And, yeah, I'm curious too, actually. Well, so James and I have always gotten along, right? Not all siblings do. Some siblings have ups and downs. James and I have pretty much always gotten along. Yeah, um, I have three and... siblings, and I like like half of them. <laughs> not 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 one and a half. I like one yeah. half of one of them. <laughs> one half of one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and growing up, like, because we were the, you know, the boys, like we have a sister as well, but we were the boys and, uh, and our father, um, was obviously the one who was really into racing and he's the one who inspired James and stuff. And for many, many years, I was into racing and driving and cars largely as an extension of like, cause my dad was into it. Right. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, on the weekends, it was common for us to go and visit a little shop in Markham, Ontario called Mini Grid, which sold little model cars yeah, and like books. Yeah, 64 and, scale model cars, right. and slot cars. And stuff. so, and you know, and we would, and when my dad started racing, or when our dad started racing the vintage cars, you know, going out to the week, up to most sport for the weekend with him, that was like a great, you know, like a family kind family of thing. Outing, it was right? a family yeah. outing, right? And, uh, and I mean, I had other interests. I mean, I was interested, in a lot, I mean, I was a big, uh, nerd about space stuff, right? I wanted to be an astronaut and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, but I remember I was following along with the racing stuff because it was like, you know, because my dad was into it, right? It was in front of you. You were exposed to it at a young and, age. And I, but I remember, I remember the, and James was always more into it. Like he was the one who did his bedroom up. Like he had checkered flags painted above his bed. Like he was, you know, from a very young age, he was fully immersed. Still um, does. Still does. <laughs> yeah, Becky doesn't love it. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I think she just doesn't love that you always finish first. <laughs> God, I wish. Uh, I oh, that? you mean, oh, I see what you mean. <clears throat> I see what you did there. Could I keep I mean, that joke in? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, because when she finishes second, then she has to clean the table and do the dishes, right? That's what you meant? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. what he meant. This is a family oh, podcast. Yeah, I, isn't meant, it? I meant for when you guys are. 
<laughs> We're married. We don't do that. <laughs> yeah, if there's anything 90s TV sitcoms tell me, married couples don't do that. Correct. All right, you guys now have to introduce a segment where you go through all of the flags and what they would mean in that context. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like, I want to know what the blue flag is. What's the blue flag? All right, move you got to move over. You're move, not doing it right. Move over. You got to let the other guy through. <laughs> Connor, you're up. <laughs> no, but I, but I remember, I remember the day. I remember the day. So I was, I was in, I was into, I was into all this stuff. And then I remember the day when James was like, I, I want to do go-karting. And they have a discussion and they got James into go-karting. And f- there was a switch. Literally, I remember. I went from caring just as much about all this stuff as James did and my dad did and stuff to being like, okay, that's James's thing now. And I, I, I turned and focused on my other interests, right? I became more interested in like the astronomy and the space and the science stuff um, for the rest of my childhood. But there was literally a point. It's like, as soon as James, as soon as it was announced that like James was going to start go-karting, I just said, okay, well, that's his thing. And it wasn't like a conscious thing, but I'm very aware that it happened. Weird. Yeah. It's like you can have the same thing. You guys can both have the same thing. I had, I, I have heard of the Schumacher brothers. And maybe this is where it com- comes the answers. Yeah. Maybe this is where it really comes in because this part, is why you part of the reason podcast. I would never be a good driver is I don't like competition the same yeah, way that that's like, like a pretty do. important part of it. It's <laughs> right. It's a key element. And it's so, the, and so three things. And now that I'm telling the story, I, I wonder if it's ovals. like, yeah. I just, I just, I don't like competition. I just love ovals. I just love shapes. Big yeah. geometry guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder if maybe there was like a childhood. Well, I don't want to compete with my brother, so I'll just go do something else. Oh, weird. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but I was. It's a very strong memory of mine. So the other thing that you were big into at the time was the martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as having three degrees, uh, he's got two black belts because he's. And you, a jerk. and you teach martial arts still, right? Um, At least you did the last time I was in Canada. Yeah, I did. I I did. I was a co-owner of a martial arts school in Hamilton, Ontario for a while. Um, COVID was rough on us, and I made a a decision to move away from that to help help the school and and for other personal reasons. Um, And... I haven't really, I haven't really gone back to it since. I, I fully intend on it. It's just been a, it's been a weird two years uh, in my world, uh, yeah. as it has been for. It's been people. completely normal for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I have a unique a experience. Sunshine and daisies over here, so, Doctor Hinch. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in Los Angeles, you guys barely noticed it. Um, so, but you were big into martial arts and. I remember, you know, I was karting first, obviously. And then I think it was maybe my first or second year in to formula car racing. So it would have been BMW or Pro Mazda, something like that. And there used to be a racing school up in Canada at Mosport called the Bridgestone Racing Academy. It still exists in in principle. It's a different name now. It's now under the Skip Barber banner. But um, Brett Goodman, who ran and still does run that school, uh, was a good friend of ours. and we had the opportunity to go do, um, he gave us, you know, four lapping day um, passes basically to go up there. So my mom's got no interest in doing anything like that. She's not a, she's not an extreme sport kind of person. And so my, my dad, sister, brother, and I all went to go do this day at the racing school. And so, you know, my martial artist black belt brother here, 
I think you only brown belt at the time. Sounds right. Uh, Amateur. Often, often wanted to like criticize. He was in that pool of people that says that like racing's not like an athletic sport. Like it's not that hard. And was kind of always like, I'm a martial artist. So I had to do a thousand pushups and 2700 jumping jacks and punch a cinder block wall and headbutt a child. Is this true? Did I say this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, does, like- it sounds. It does sound exactly like you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and he went to Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> so so there was always like this you weren't quite that in my face about it but like there was all there was there was a belief a a a not a thinly veiled not really pretty much an open belief that it was a more like physical activity to do martial arts than motor motor racing and i mean i could see kind of your argument sure but the uh the the kicker was when we, we went and did that session or that day, and the day consisted of four 20-minute lapping sessions in these cars, which were, you know, the most entry-level formula car you can get, right? It's a school car. They are considerably slower and considerably less physical than what I was racing even at the time, which is exponentially less physical than what I've been racing now. And I remember at the end of the day, so after 20, after four 20-minute sessions, you came up to me and you were like, I'm sorry. I was like, for what? And you're like, I'm really tired. That was really hard. It's mentally exhausting. <laughs> it's physically tough. I'm I'm sorry. You're I yeah. I don't. I won't say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, damn straight. <laughs> yeah. So to say, like, I'm I'm very happy to admit that that was just ignorance on my part. And yeah. I and I have defended I have defended you or your sport against people who I've encountered have said that kind of thing ever, ever since. since. Um, my memories of that day are a little different. Okay. Um, not that not that I'm questioning your story. Yeah. But I, I mean, my two memories of that day are first when I got into the the F2000 for the first time, mm-hmm. and I'm being strapped in by a young man uh, who was working as one of the mechanics because they ran like a mechanic school program That's right. as well, right? Yeah. And this young man named Preet Banerjee uh, hopped onto the uh, straddled my car and was and was buckling me in. Um, Preet is now. Good, good friend of the families and a uh, tremendously successful um, uh, financial uh, writer and television uh, star. Television star. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, so I asked him, I said, do you have any advice? And what he said to me was he looked at me very seriously. And then this sort of like sly grin came across his face and he says, you don't have to pay for any damages. So <laughs> that, that was, was not great advice. Yeah, that, that was not good advice. That was the that was the, my first memory, one of my memories, and the other memory was. So it was it was me, it was my family, and I think there was a few other people. With yeah, there us, was. Right? Yeah, it, it, wasn't was, just it was us, it wasn't yeah. just us. Um, and then like like sixteen year old James or fifteen, I don't know how old you were at the time. 16, 16, 16, right? And we all go out, and within one lap, James is fully half a lap ahead of everyone else. <laughs> and I remember like going through turn one the second time and looking across the acres to see you on the other side of the track. Being like, okay, all right, all right, okay, okay, James, okay, okay, James, okay, okay James, okay. <laughs> and so yeah, so my 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 respect uh, for what James did. Not that I didn't respect him before, but it definitely increased exponentially uh, uh, on that day. It's Good pretty enough. easy to increase Good when enough. it's so low, like as a baseline. Right. Yeah. That's true. Now, but was there any part of you that was just like, all right, let's go to the dojo. You know, let's strap in. Let me show you what <laughs> I can still kick your ass. But yeah. actually, I remember no, hang on. Again, to the to the competitiveness thing. I remember 
when I came back after, so, okay, the way the black belt, I know, I know where this yeah, is going. <laughs> the way the black belt testing worked at my school was it was a sort of a, like a six month process. And for the first four months, uh, there would be one test about two hours ish long on one aspect of the curriculum you were supposed to, you know, have mastered. Yeah. And, uh, and then after those four months, there was a break. And then the, in the sixth month, there was, uh, the big final four hour test for test on everything. And I remember, uh, family were allowed to come watch those first four, the pre-tests we called them. And James and my folks, and I think maybe my aunt was there or something came to watch me do one of them. And at these tests, you know, it's all about just like kind of breaking down your spirit and like testing your will, like you know, they know, you know, your stuff. They just want to see if you'll, if you'll push through. Right. Yeah. And so they did, they would do this thing where they, they would call it, they'd call on someone in the, in the crowd and say, or, or not in the crowd, in the, in the, in the test and say, all right, pick a number, Chris, pick a number, James, pick a number. So I picked 10. And then the guy they picked after me said, oh, also picked 10. And normally what they would do is you pick like nine and six and they'll say, all right, everyone do 96 pushups. So of course we thought we were really clever and two of us in a row picked 10. So they said, all right, 1,010 crunches, everybody. So we all had to drop down and spend the next 15 minutes or whatever it was doing a thousand, you know, 1,010 so, crunches. So we're all sitting there in the audience, just watching this group of people do a thousand crunches, like very, very stimulating, very yeah, stimulating entertainment. Yeah. It's very sweaty. Anyway, so we get back after the test and, you know, back to the, back to the house and I shower and I don't know, we're making dinner or something. And I don't remember how exactly what primed you, I but do. okay, well, well, do you want to take over from here? Then? No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, yeah, the, the, the upshot is it's, it's somehow, I don't remember what was said, but the next thing I know, James is like, I can do this. And he's on, on the floor and he is counting out 1,010 sit-ups <laughs> before Peter, just to prove he could do it. Yeah. That's yeah. 100% Matt, Matt, no part of that surprises me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, dad was, dad, I forget if he was, I forget if someone else came to the house that wasn't at it or he was just reiterating to, to the family to who was there like i can't believe they had to do a thousand and ten sit-ups could you imagine i was like no problem and i just in the middle of the living room just dropped down and started doing yeah and so we you had like a sweater on like yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah you were like ready sweater, for dinner like, yeah i'm gonna try i i yeah. have no doubt and i'm not gonna test this because i have to pick up my daughter within an hour but i have no doubt if if instead of if if i had just heard the story and said no he didn't james couldn't do a thousand sit-ups he would do them right now yeah, I'll just angle the camera down to the floor and force you to watch me crunch a thousand times. A thousand crunches. It wasn't full. Yeah, setup. they were okay. full setups. Oh, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. crunches. I do. Oh yeah, because you definitely know because he definitely couldn't. He couldn't even do a hundred sit-ups. But, but there's there's a there's there's a there's a quota. Yeah, he's getting on the floor now. There's a quota. All right, so I'll tell one more story while he's doing that. There's a quota to that story, which I don't think you know about. <clears throat> which is that. Years later, when I, well, not actually a year later, when I had my black belt and I, and I was starting to help out with teaching and doing the gradings at our school, um, I was sitting, you know, watching this, this test happen with the lower belts and we did the same thing with them. We had someone pick a the number. Lower belts are those, the people without an Oxford default? Yeah, exactly right. right. Yeah. Um, no, they're uh, the people who sag. The belts are lower. Get out. <laughs> Just get out. <laughs> You do, this for, you, you do this for you know i know yeah that's how bad yeah go stand outside and think about what you've yeah. done and you don't get to play with your telescope either <laughs> it's been cloudy all right it's rough but we did the same thing where we had two people pick numbers and it was like 
it was like seven and and ten or something, uh, or uh, I don't remember exactly how it was, but somehow they had to do seven hundred push-ups or something. Something push-ups, push-ups, something ridiculous. So yes. I, so again, I know stimulating. I sat there for twenty-five minutes while they, you know, obviously after fifty, you kind of like not really doing anything anymore. It's like, but like ten degrees of bed. But I, I mean, I took this all so seriously. Right. It wasn't a competition thing. It was just like I felt if I'm testing you and I just asked you to do 700 pushups. I mean, like, I feel like I should prove that I can do 700 pushups. So I went home that night, put on a movie and I just spent the next two hours doing like sets of 10, 15. And, and I was dead oh. for weeks afterwards. I mean, what they did was think, harder. I don't think cumulatively in my life have I done <laughs> 700 pushups. I promise you, you haven't done so. So a funny, similar kind of story. Right. So when I was in grade nine gym class, wasn't particularly fit at this point, right? Like you had to be that fit at that point in racing, but 50 pushups was a big deal, right? It's still and, a big deal. It's still a big deal. And uh, we had a, a gym teacher, Mr. Sora. I remember him. Oh, I remember him. Mr. I was about to say what he called himself, but I don't think I can I on don't radio. Think you should. No. <laughs> I mean, so I Mr. can bleep it. Now I have to know. Well, we'll <laughs> tell you after. So Mr. Sora had this thing. They were Sora. He called them Sora style pushups, which was, you have to go all the way down, like put your chest on the ground, put your hands out to show all your weights down on your chest and then push back up, right? So you had to do 50 Sora style push-ups. <clears throat> now, you could kind of take as much time as you needed as long as you weren't like sitting there and resting, right? But you could like, so you didn't have to go that fast, <clears throat> but I was the only kid that got through. I just refused to stop until I got to 50. And I was the only kid in the class that did it. And my arms were so gassed at the end. So like, you know. Were you feeling a little Sora? I hate you so much. You know, like. Oh, he how, gets to stay? Yeah, that was not as bad. That was not as bad. That was kind of clever. So, you know how like the like the big doors, you've got like the, like the metal, the metal like door thing you push to open the door, right? So I ran, I was, I was walking to like the bathroom to go get a drink of water in the hallway to get a drink of water. And like, I was kind of jogging. And I put my hands up to push the door open and my arms could not hold the door. So I literally, I put my hands out <laughs> and I just crashed into the door because my arms were so tired. I could not, it was <laughs> the worst. It was so funny. Uh, it, it was so funny. Oh, those man. were not forgiving doors. They were not, they were heavy. No, they were heavy. They doors. were heavy. They were fire doors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you didn't stand a chance. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. So, Chris, uh, high school at Oakville Trafalgar High School. Where, where did to, you go to college again? He went to McMaster University. McMaster University, Tim. How do you like that for, answer? For his undergrad. Um, <laughs> I you just answered your own question because only, only one place calls it a defil. So you've answered your own question. <laughs> a Ma- McMaster for his undergrad and his graduate degree. And then he went uh, Is Oxford. that where Harvard got their whole not having majors thing? Sorry, is Harvard a school or? Wow, God. <laughs> it's the ball state of the greater Massachusetts. Is it the... <laughs> so if you could, if you could, if you could go and relive one of your four secondary or post-secondary education stints. I, I, I got to real quick chime in on that because people are going to think I'm on ball state i love ball state my stepdad went to ball state he calls it the harvard of east central indiana so that, was very, <laughs> that was a very inside joke for my family oh i love that right, so back, sorry, back to the question yeah so which of your four kind of significant stints of secondary or post-secondary education would you relive if you could go back and do one? high school undergrad grad or <clears throat> defil at oxford all right my answer to this question is, as as is, I would probably relive my undergraduate years at McMaster. Interesting. Okay. And why? Um, because I I just I I I was studying philosophy, which I loved, and everything was new and exciting. And you have that that energy of like, you know, being out of the house and living on your own for the first time. And and not a lot like went wrong. Right. Right. It was a great community. I made a lot of like lifelong friends in in that time. Um, I took some great trips. Right. That's when I first really got into like outdoor. Like I, I always liked like camping a little bit, but right. that's when I got in. I developed my taste for like hardcore backcountry uh, outdoorsy. Yes. Um, uh, so I think just I had so many formative experiences that I have very and I have very few bad memories from that time. Okay. Um, if I were to redo one of them, if I got a do over, I would, I would do the, the Oxford years again, I think. Okay. Cause I, that was, that was a, that was a much more up and down. That was like, I had some of the greatest times of my life there and definitely some of the worst times. And if I could go back and redo it, uh, it would be, it would, it's just, again, going back to the competition thing, it's like you're thrown into this environment where everyone is smarter than you. And and like and you think you're good at school by that point, right? You think you're good at stuff, yeah, and then you, you get to, to you get to that to environment, get there. yeah, right. And then you get there, and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone is smarter and more driven, and and has done a thousand more things than I have, and I don't want to compete. But like, you put those kinds of people in close proximity, and yes, it's very supportive and and whatever, whatever. But like, there's this underlying simmering competition that's sure. going on all the time, and it was very not like my speed. Yeah. I could, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. If you're not a competitive person, I could see that. Cause think about like what it takes to get to Oxford, sure. right? Like you had to be competitive and cut throughout it away and, and, you know, do everything you could, everything in your power to get there. 
So I could, I could see that that was sort of the mentality of a lot of people there, but it's interesting because I know we've talked about this before and I've never really thought of it this way, but there's an interesting parallel to racing, right? Because I've said this a lot, like, he You're the smartest has guy. has to make it about him, doesn't he, Chris? No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make it back to racing to keep the <laughs> listeners engaged. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking, that's a great segue, James. Well done. So thank you. <laughs> so in in I always like, you're like the smartest guy in most rooms that you're in. And I know that, you know, when you- I live alone. I So it's, it's not hard. Right now. <laughs> Absolutely the room he's in right now. Um and so, and so coming up, you know, through, through high school, through undergrad, especially through graduate school, like you're like one of the smartest guys in the class. Like, I don't want, this is kind of the wrong, this, this, this term might sound bad, but you're kind of like big fish, small pond, relatively speaking. Right. But then you go to Oxford and the pond is full of all the big fish from all over the world. And it's, yeah, it's like a totally different environment. It's yeah, the I same kind that, of thing. I definitely thing. see the parallel there you're talking about. Because like in racing, right? You come up through the through F two thousand, through Pro Mazdeth or or Indy Pro two thousand, and then you go to Indy Lights, and you're in the top two or three drivers every year in in those categories. And then you get to IndyCar, but every top two or three of those drivers for the last fifteen years is all in one place, and you're like, oh wow, like there's like a lot of really good people here, right? Uh, yeah, <clears> I think that that's got to be pretty much in any field if you excel at it though right like you yeah for sure it's, it's the old business axiom you're you're promoted to your level of incompetence right it's, just <laughs> like it's, it's a little bit more and, and more noticeable can i can i flip the question around back to james then and just like oh, take no. a piece of my experience and ask him how it translates then okay. like so because i want to i want to refine my answer slightly the, the biggest shift that occurred for me when i got there and i was in this you know this at, you know, for graduate education, top tier kind of level. Um, this is at Oxford in yeah. England. That's where the one. Where? That is where was Oxford? It? Is yeah. it Oxford? It was, it was Oxford it? in Oxford. Is it like is it two words? So it's Ox for right. Yes. Got it. Okay. There's a there's, there's a, a dash in the middle. A, it's yeah. Ox four okay. Rd. Well, oh, I mean, it's actually okay, funny because a lot a lot of names in Oxford are not are pronounced di- like a lot of words are pronounced differently just in Oxford. But no. yeah, England really fucked up right. the English language. They no, sure no, 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 like, no. Like, like, no, Ox- Oxford is well known for doing these things. Like, so there's a college um, called called Maudlin College, but it's spelt Magdalen. But it's like in its constitution, you have to pronounce it Maudlin. There's a whole history behind it. Anyway. Um, uh, in its constitution. My, here, in its, yes. Here's my question. Here's my question. <laughs> you have said anything yeah. about that just real quick is that constitution is probably older than our country's constitution. By a, by a long shot. 100%. <laughs> by several, probably by double. I, I, I spent time I spent time primarily at two different colleges uh, in Oxford, Balliol and New College. Uh, when I was there, I attended the 750th like birthday anniversary anniversary of Balliol College. Yeah, when I was there. Yeah, but New in was 20... only 580. Exactly. No, exactly right. That is exactly right. Um, no, but so but the thing that changed the most mm-hmm. was uh, I felt pressure to change my expectations of myself in a way. So for example, when I was, when I went there, I thought I'll go, I'll get it. I'll get a, I'll get a a degree and then maybe I'll come back and I'll teach at a small liberal arts college somewhere. That sounds perfectly great. When you go there and suddenly everyone there, their sights are set so much higher that suddenly I felt like I was not aiming high enough. And, Interesting. and, and that was what actually chewed me up inside the most was that I was now striving for things that I had never really wanted, 
um, and and had a much very very like very well zero chance as it turned out of like actually achieving. Um, so it was like it set me up for a kind of internal failure. Um, do you find? Did you ever find when great, you made, This is a great ad for Oxford, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> like a, Don't hey, go unless you're hyper. Want to feel like a piece of. <laughs> well, no. If you're hyper competitive, it's the environment for you. There you go. And you don't mind pronouncing words incorrectly. But what I'm asking is, like, I guess it's a little bit different because you always had your your sights set on making it to the top, right? right? And and performing and, and winning at each and, level. And winning at each level. Yeah. But like. Did you ever find maybe just the kind of people who you were around at the top changed? I don't know, just like your goals for your your life outside of racing, maybe. Like, did you find that being around people who were really successful and how they lived their lives? Like, did you find yourself thinking, gosh, I should be at the gym five times a day or like that kind of like stuff that you maybe hadn't thought about? Yeah, it's a, it's no, a they, they have me around for the opposite. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you motivate us to go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding tim i love you um no that's an interesting question because tim, what tim before picture durham is that you mean? <laughs> oh man that took a second to land but that hurt <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh that's great it's so good um you're doing a great alex no. impression <laughs> after all <laughs> No, no, no. That photo is seen at hairdresser salons uh, across the country. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is great. Um, I, I think to a certain extent, yeah. I think um, what's interesting about, about you know, especially this level, you know, at the IndyCar level, and, and I think, you know, obviously the same is true of Oxford, is you get people from all over, right? So you get people of different backgrounds, different upbringings, like cultural backgrounds, whatever. And, um, and that makes them just very different people. But, you know, one of the benefits of I've, I have found about living in Indianapolis and training with pit fit training, which is a place that, you know, obviously a lot of drivers train at is you do kind of get into a bit of a friendly, also sometimes not friendly competition with the other drivers in the training side of things. Right. So when you're directly comparing yourself to those people, yeah, for sure. It does. It does sometimes make you do things and, and push yourself in ways that you might not have if you didn't have that like direct comparison motivation. Um, I think that's I think that really is a lot of what fuels us. You know, like Rossi talks about that. I don't know if he's talked about it on the show or not, but he hates going testing. Loves driving race cars, but he hates going testing because there's no official competition to it. Like you could say you're fastest in testing, but it doesn't really mean anything. And so to him, it doesn't matter unless you're beating somebody. Hmm. So like he likes driving cars, but he <clears> likes <throat> beating people more than he likes driving cars. Right. Right. Yeah. So there, there's, there is that. So like, I like training. I like being fit. I like going to the gym, but like when there's someone to compare yourself to and try to be better than, yeah, that's definitely cooler and more motivation. Interesting. And then in terms of like how they live their life, that's an even more interesting one because you definitely see the full spectrum of how people like conduct themselves away from the track. And that's in, in every way from in a family way, just in a personal life way and whatever, whatever. And there definitely have been guys that I've gotten to know that I've thought that's what I want to be like, or I want to be more like that guy, or I don't want to be more like that guy. I want to be less like that guy. I, like, with, okay. Cause I, I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because 
and obviously not getting into specifics and naming names. Scott Dixon. I want to be more like him. Okay. Everybody. All right. Well, that's that is the yeah that's a hot take. But uh, here's what's frustrating right about no, Scott Dixon. No, Gosh, I'm a driver who would like to be more like. That. Yeah. No, no, but this is the guy. This is something we haven't even talked about on the show. We talk about Scott Dixon, the IndyCar driver. Oh no, why. we talk about his family life. He's got an amazing, yeah, he's, perfect he's a great wife, family. Perfect yeah. family. Yeah. yeah, beautiful family, beautiful everything. But like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get too personal here. I don't want to like. Okay, well, you think it's okay. business, but like, let me. Let me. There are things that Scott does and how he conducts certain elements of himself and his life and his plans and stuff that I have always really uh, respected. Okay, let me. But we, let, let me. Have, let we me, gotta have Scott on. I don't know why we haven't done that yet. We we don't have anybody. Like we should definitely have more drivers on because we could do that. But like we should have Polo on. Hey, I drove all the way from Toronto. You did drive here. You're a driver. Yeah. I I I. But no. But let me let me let me drill down a little bit on this if I can. Okay. And I promise not to say, ask anything compromising. All right. But like, you know, as an outsider to to like as someone watching not just the series yeah. but like watching. <laughs> driver interactions yeah. watching you know i get i get more exposure to uh, uh the full picture than other you know that yeah. a lot of people do right sure. um and i've definitely at times wondered whether you know there are uh uh like character traits that are really effective for a competitor on the track but then i also see those same character traits kind of like become part of the person's personality or they are part of the person's personality out and they're not necessarily the kind of traits you want to have as a person right so have you ever been like you're going really really taking a long time to say santino (laughs) ferrucci's well what i was gonna say what i was gonna say was have you ever looked at a really successful driver yeah right who also like whose success might partly be because they are like a certain way and like most people wouldn't want to be that way but were you ever tempted to like be more like that so I know exactly what you're saying. I have definitely identified that in people that I've I've come across, but there are enough examples of successful drivers that cover the spectrum of personality traits. Mm. And so I never subscribed to to be successful at this sport, you must exhibit this particular trait. I mean, there are a few that are obvious ones, right? But like being a competitive person by nature, or whatever. But no, there there wasn't any that I thought were um you know inherently unappealing personality traits in general and like from a societal standpoint sure that made you a more successful driver i think it really comes down more to the to the personality and knowing who you are as a person and what fuels you what gets you fired up what motivates you right like some drivers drive better angry and so they need to have a way to be just like like pumped up and fired up and ready to go some drivers are are better when they're just like super relaxed and easygoing and like too much external pressure doesn't doesn't sit well. Some people really like external pressure. It doesn't even have to be like jacked up about it, but they like knowing that there's something on the line. And so a, a large part of my development as a driver and like the mental coaching that I did when I was younger was kind of establishing what my personality trait was and what made me more successful on the track. And so I, I don't think there's anything that has to be like an inherent personality trait in order to be a more successful driver. If you look well, at all wait, the top what is drivers, what is yours? I don't want to tell you. No, but now you, you, it's a strategic advantage that. for somebody. So to, is that so? Could could you say then? Would it be fair to say then that at least in your case, you like through driving, you sort of 
like actual law, you chose which parts of yourself yes. to like actualize and turn up to 10. Right. 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 Where you could have chosen other things, right. but, you, but you picked the ones and you had good role models to base that on. And and so I, 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 I worked a lot and every driver, every athlete works on, you know, compartmentalization. Mm. Right. And so I think if there is a trait that is not necessarily a particularly appealing one as a person, but that helps you personally as a driver, you, what you need to do is practice how to turn that up and turn that back down when it's appropriate. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there are guys that do have that trait, but have practiced enough now at being able to sit here and be perfectly pleasant people. But when the helmet, like when the helmet goes on, the visor goes down, everybody's different. Everybody is somebody else. And some guys are less that person in real life and some people are more that you know what i mean so like some some guys are there's closer. a whole there's a whole mcu of uh characters there's a whole mcu you guys said your alter egos you guys are like we should make a you a, put on your we should make a, a a series of way too many movies about it way or too like many? just one way too many. series like like about surviving and driving it's like you missed it completely because no, I got the Marvel one. I was just also saying if we're stealing stuff that's worked for for other people and made money, we did it work? Did it work for one. Marvel? Because it's too much. Did it work for them? Are they happy with their? I billions? don't know. They're sitting in their their stuck safe of money. I think they're fine. I don't know. <laughs> Does money buy your happiness? I've talked to a lot no, of rich people you know that don't think. I, I, I will happiness. say this definitively: money doesn't buy happiness. You know what else doesn't buy happiness? Not money. Nothing buys happiness. We're all going to be miserable anyways. It's a lot more bearable when you got some money. Hmm. It was Daniel Tosh. <laughs> Daniel Tosh had a good line that I'll steal and we can close on, which is money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys you a jet ski. And have you ever seen somebody frown on a jet ski? I, I like, I don't, I, I hope I'm not quoting someone who's been canceled, but I think, I think the line was uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but it lets you show up to your problems in a limo. <laughs> also that's why one. he's the d phil <laughs> very, very no i feel defiled approach. by everything that's happened here today well, you're certainly like going to be session but i liked it you're certainly going to be disowned by oxford university <laughs> yeah i'm not uh, invited back i'm not invited back uh guys that's that's it for today that's it for us thanks for uh for sitting through a very off track episode of off track chris thank you for joining and filling in for Alexander Rossi, who we wish the best uh, in his upcoming Baja 1000 race and his beautiful Honda Ridgeline. We look very forward to getting him back on the show to talk Road Atlanta, Petit Le Mans, to talk Baja 1000, to talk the Brazilian Grand Prix, and whatever else is happening between now. I think it's another Formula One race, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Tim, thanks for showing up, I guess. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean fit.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.